Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So this morning, we're in the middle of a series we're calling There's an App for That. And it's through the book of James, and the book of James is all about application. And this morning, we're talking about the social networking app, the relational app. And um, for those of you who aren't familiar with this stuff at all, um, there's on your... Now, Brian tried to make a pitch for the Android last week, and that's just what people do when they can't have the real thing, okay? So I don't need to say anything more about that. Um, but if you're not familiar with it, there's all these different apps. And a lot of social networking apps, you can be linked in, you can check in, you can chat, you can... Um, I, I saw one, you can actually... A friend finder, where you can you know, check in and you can find any of your friends that are anywhere near you. And then there's another one called Flirt Finder. So if you like, want to find any singles, you know, and you're single and you're looking for a chance to meet, you can use that. There's all kinds of crazy things out there. But the most popular one is Facebook. Out of curiosity, how many are Facebookers? Yeah, I actually found out there are more 50-year-olds using Facebook than any other age group, you know? So somehow we think we're hip. But um, it's, it's really interesting because I'm on Facebook now, and, and um, it's, it's fun because you can, you can like tell people where you're going or what you're doing today or what your random thoughts are. You can take pictures of what you're having for dinner and share it with the world. I don't know why anybody cares, but you can do that. Um, But the hardest thing about Facebook is, if you don't know, you get requests for friends. It's like somebody else who finds your name on Facebook and they go, oh, I'll be their friend. So they they send you a friend request and then you have a choice. And and I'm always torn because there are times I get these requests from people I don't necessarily want to be friends with. You know, so you kind of click ignore, and then they send you like a second request, and you really feel bad, so you say, okay, and then every time they post something, you just ignore them and click them off. Um, it's, it, it's, it's a funny thing, because you can actually just, with a click of a button, you can like somebody, or you can unlike, or you can even actually unfriend somebody. Now, that's really nice online, but it doesn't work in real relationships, because in real relationships, you still live in the same house as that person. Uh, we work on the same job as that person. You, you, know, you, you don't get that opportunity. Just click a button. Sorry, you're gone from my life. Because um, they're there. And, and James, in this passage that we're going to look at this morning, talks about what, what a common term we call now is relational intelligence. But what he's talking about is just godly wisdom in how to relate wisely to other people. And, and um, Brian talked about this last week. Often what you find in Scripture, um, particularly in Hebrew writing, is, and James was a Hebrew, um, that very often there's, it's called a chiasm, where something is talked about and then repeated, or something is talked about and then emphasized or, or echoed. And then oftentimes right in the middle of those two, it's like a picture frame, and it points to one little section that is just like, this is key to understanding everything around it. And we're going to look at that this morning. And we're going to be talking about relationships. And it's in um, James chapter 3. And let me say a few things before we go any further. Um, the, the, the writer, James, of this letter is the earthly brother of Jesus. Okay? So you find a lot of James' wording and a lot of James' um, uh, ideas and thoughts are very much echoes of Jesus himself. And, and by the way, this is also the very same James a number of weeks ago when we talked about when the, the Gentiles were coming to Christ and, and the church kind of had this identity crisis about what are we going to do and how are we going to incorporate Gentiles now into, into Christianity, which was considered you know, a continuation of Judaism. 
And so they had this big council, and they had this big argument, and James, this very James, is the James that stood up and said, we should not make it hard for these Gentiles who are turning to God. And that's important to understand because sometimes you read James and you think he's talking about these are all the things that you have to do to earn God's favor. This is the way you need to behave to get God to love you. Because it almost sounds like that's what he's saying. But James knows very well it's all about grace. But what he is saying is that because of the grace of God, my relationship with God affects my relationship with other people. And one of the things that we are very big about here at Northgate is we're about connecting people. Connecting people with God connecting people with each other. And it's the very thing that James talks about in this passage because what he's saying is because of this grace that God has shown me, because of this vertical relationship I have with God, it ought to flow out into my relationships with other people. And the way that I treat other people is very much a reflection of what's really happening in my relationship with God, that the two are so closely tied together. And that's why this is important stuff. He's not saying this is how you earn God's love. He's saying since God loved you, now, this is how you treat one another. So with all of that, we're in James chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. He writes, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from that wisdom. If you harbor bitter envy or selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such, quote, wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. What James is doing is he's given us a lesson in relational intelligence saying this is how to relate wisely to others. And we're going to focus in on that one sentence in verse, 13, uh, verse 17, where he has got this laundry list. And, and it kind of happens sometimes when you read the Bible and you come, there's this, like these laundry lists, um, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, and there's this list of different qualities. Or, or you read 1 Corinthians 13, this is what love looks like, and there's all these different things. And you just kind of read the list and go through it. But, but the words that he's using to describe relational wisdom are key. And they're really key to understanding all of your relationships. Because the truth is, what we're going to talk about this morning applies to every relationship you have. Family relationships, friendships, co-workers, um, church-wide relationships, all of these things. So even if you're not a follower of Christ, there's some really good stuff here that you can take away. Okay? But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, this is stuff that is absolutely essential. James says, this is what it looks like. Let me read it to you again. Verse 17, the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Saying this is how to relate wisely to other people. And, I, and I'm very grateful, I want to up front say, very grateful to Rick Warren, Pastor Rick Warren, past, uh, Saddleback Church in, in um, Orange County, because uh, he has some really good insights on here that I want to key in on. And, and it just talks about, and we've got a lot of territory to cover, so I'm going to move really, really fast, so I hope you can keep up. But he's saying, okay, when it comes to relating wisely to other people, if I'm wise, he says, the first thing is I won't compromise my integrity. The first thing he says is the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. First of all pure. Now, what he's saying is every relationship that you have is based on trust. 
every relationship. It is absolutely based on trust. And so that's why he says, first of all, this wisdom from heaven is pure because pure has to do with being uncorrupted, um, without pretense, no mixed motives. In other words, that I am who I am and I'm open and honest with you about that. That I don't compromise my integrity. No hidden agendas, not manipulative, not self-serving. That, that I hold to my integrity. That I, I, I make myself someone that you can trust. And there is nothing that will destroy a relationship faster than a betrayal of trust. And that's why James says, first of all, it's about purity. It's about integrity. It's about being solid through and through. Being consistent, being dependable. And, and particularly the way that we relate to each other, the way that we talk. It's that I don't, I don't say one thing to you and then do another. Or I don't talk about you behind your back and then talk differently face to face. James says, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. This should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? He says, that's just inconsistent. It's inconsistent. And he's echoing the words of Jesus. Jesus said, it is out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. So if you want to know what's really going on inside of you, look at the words that are coming out of your mouth. If you really want to know what your relationship with God is like, look at how you talk about other people or talk to other people. Because if, if, there's, if there's this discrepancy between those two things, then you don't really understand what your relationship with God is all about. And, he said, and it's just dumb. To betray a trust is just dumb. If I'm wise, I'm not going to compromise that. Second thing he says is if I'm wise, I won't antagonize your anger. Second thing he says, wisdom is peace-loving. It's gentle. It's non-combative. Now, if you've been in a relationship for any length of time and you get to know somebody, you kind of know how you can push their buttons and get a rise out of them. And there's some people maybe in your life that, are, that just love pushing your buttons. They know how to rile you up. They know what to say. And this happens very often in marriages. And, and usually it, it, it starts out unintentionally, but someone will say something to offend the other person. And what happens when you get hurt? You, you close down. And the second thing that you do is you have a comeback. And what happens is there's this escalating war of words. And what people don't understand is when you start doing damage on an emotional level, you are doing damage on a very, very deep level. And it'll destroy your relationship. How many have, have, you, have you ever done something or said something in anger that you wish you could take back? <laughs> yeah. And that's what James says. He says, look at what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. He says, man, it's like a forest fire and boom, it goes through. You ever been in one of those forest fire kind of arguments? <laughs> and you say these things that you wish you could take back and you can't. And the damage is done. He says, nothing good comes out of anger. And if I'm wise... I'm going to be sensitive to that. I'm not going to push your buttons. I'm not going to, I'm not going to antagonize your anger. In fact, he says further on, I'm going to do even better. If I'm wise, I will sympathize with your feelings. He goes on. Wisdom is considerate. Considerate means I take into account your feelings. Not only do I not push your buttons, but I really try to understand how you feel. 
And, and that's not always easy because feelings, I don't know if you've noticed this, feelings are not very logical. And so it's really, really hard sometimes to understand somebody else's feelings because it's not what you feel. A number of years ago, I was talking with my wife and, and she was talking about a relationship that was kind of strained and all this kind of stuff that was going on and it wasn't with me. Um, but she was kind of, you know, kind of venting a little bit and talking through it and just talking about, you know, you know they hurt me and they did this and that and the other and, and it just made me feel so bad. And I said, well, I'm sure they didn't mean it that way. You shouldn't feel like that. Not a good response. <laughs> and she said to me, don't tell me how to feel. They're my feelings. And it's true. I may not understand them, but they're still real. They may not be logical, but they are still real. And if I'm wise, I'm going to take your feelings into account. I'm going to know the things that might hurt you and not do those things, not say those things. I'm going to know the things that make you happy, and those are the things that I want to do. If I'm going to invest in this relationship, I'm going to take your feelings into account. One of the deepest human needs that we have is the need to be understood and validated. And what happens when you relate to people on that feeling level, when you try to understand and console, when you are there with somebody through a downtime, when you're relating on an emotional level, you are relating on a very human level because our emotions are what make us human. (laughs) And when we disregard that, when we don't take that into consideration, relationships fall apart. So James says, if I'm wise, if I'm wise, I'm going to sympathize with your feelings. And in fact, he says, it's really just doing what Jesus said. He said, Jesus said, if you keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. That's, that's what that is. It's being considerate of somebody else's feelings. That's part of the royal law. Fourth thing, if I'm, not, if I'm wise, I won't minimize your suggestions. The next thing he says is wisdom is submissive. Now, that's not a word we like to hear. Um, when, when I do premarital counseling with couples and we talk about this idea of submission, it's never a popular topic. Because when we talk about submission, somehow it feels like I'm making myself subservient. Okay, I'm, I have to lose all the arguments. I, don't, I never get my way. But that's not what submission is. Submission has to do with being open to discussion. In fact, the word used here literally has to do with this idea of, of, of being reasonable. That, that your opinions matter. Your thoughts matter. That it doesn't always have to be my way. Now, I know that's hard because if you're like me, my way is always the right way. And, and, and so it's really hard to give in on that. We say, if, if, if I'm wise, I'm going to listen to your ways too. Because you just might, by some strange stroke of luck, have some insight that I didn't have, you know. If I'm wise, I'm reasonable, I'm submissive, I'm open for discussion. That I don't insist that it's got to be my way. Consider this, Proverbs 15, 11. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. See, insisting on my way truthfully, truthfully, it's all about pride. It's all about self-centeredness. It's all about me. And James says, where you find that envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil 
practice. What he's saying is, insisting on my way all the time just brings disorder. It destroys relationships. And as hard as it might be, if you're wise, you're going to listen to other people's opinions. You're going to listen to their suggestions. You're going to be open to discussion. Fifthly, if I'm wise, I won't penalize your mistakes. I won't penalize your mistakes. Wisdom, he says, is full of mercy and good fruit. You have somebody in your life that seems to have a mental file cabinet on everything you've ever done wrong. You know, don't raise your hands because you might be sitting next to them right now. So, yeah, no, I told you, don't do that. But, but it just seems like anytime something goes wrong, everything in your past gets dredged up. Oh, yeah, you, you, did this, you, you always do this. You, you never, you know, and, and out comes the list. And it's like the file cabinet's open. Oh, yeah, I remember this time, this time, this time, this time. That's just dumb. That's not wise. Just if I'm wise, if I'm wise, I'm not going to penalize you for your mistake. Here's what happens. And, and this is worth the price of admission right here, Okay. In every relationship, in every relationship, somewhere along the line, a gap opens up. It happens, it doesn't matter how close the relationship is. In fact, sometimes the closer the relationship, the harder this is. But that gap, that gap, and it might be a little teeny gap or it might be a big wide gap, but that gap, that gap is the difference between my expectations of you and what I experienced from you. And every relationship comes to one of these at least once where you said you were going to do this but you didn't you promised this but you didn't come through i thought you would be there for me but you weren't i thought i could trust you but turns out i couldn't and and this gap opens up it happens in every single relationship and and here's the thing you get to decide how you bridge that gap you might think you have no choice in this matter. They betrayed you. They, they hurt you. They, they didn't fulfill their promises, whatever it might be. And now you've got a right to be angry and to be hurt. And a gap is there and you think it's all their fault. But the truth of the matter is you have a choice to how you bridge that gap. And wise, loving, deep relationships choose to bridge that gap with mercy. And that's what James is talking about here. He says, wisdom is full of mercy and good fruit. See, when that gap opens up, you have a choice. You can assume the best or assume the worst. And the choice is really yours. You can, when somebody doesn't fulfill a promise and a gap opens up between your expectations and your experiences with them, you can assume the worst about them. You can say, oh, that's the kind of person they are. Well, yeah, you know, I I knew it was a risk. And you can fill that gap with anger or bitterness. Or you can assume the best that maybe circumstances were beyond their control. Maybe something came up and they couldn't be there when they said they would. Maybe, maybe they've got a reason for the way things went down. And the strongest marriages, the strongest friendships, strongest relationships occur when people choose to fill that gap 
with mercy. And if you think about it, that's exactly what God did. Because the Bible tells us that there's this gap. We didn't live up to our end of the bargain. It's not God's fault. It's ours. There's this gap. Our disobedience, our willfulness, our selfishness, whatever it might be, there's a gap that opened up between us and God. And God chose to fill that gap with mercy. He chose grace. We couldn't bridge the gap from our side, so God came and bridged it himself for us. And that's what the cross is all about. That's what this Christ's birth is all about. That's what this Christmas season and the Easter season, it's what it's all about. That God came and bridged the gap for us, and he did it with forgiveness. He did it with mercy. He did it with grace. And that's why when James says that wisdom is full of mercy and good fruit, he says, you are bringing good fruit when you're merciful. You are doing a good thing when you apply mercy to the gap. What we usually do, what we usually do is take offense, get our feelings hurt, and then go talk about them. We build our case. I'm in the right, they're in the wrong. And here's why. Here's what, here's what they said they would do. Here's what they didn't do. Here's why I have a right to be angry with them. Oh, oh, you poor person. You know, and, and we tell our story, and boy, if, if anybody knew the story from our side, they would think, yeah, it's, it's all their fault. James says, anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. What he's saying is that when you choose judgment, when you choose to hold on to it, you are taking God's place. You are sitting in judgment where only God is allowed to sit. It says, instead, choose mercy. Choose grace. Don't assume the worst. Assume the best. That's why he says mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy is knowing when to make allowance for somebody else. Mercy is being able to forgive when I've been hurt, when I've been damaged. And when you do, not only does it heal relationships, it frees you too. If I'm wise... If I'm wise, I won't penalize your mistakes. I will choose mercy. And lastly, if I'm wise, I won't rationalize my own weaknesses. James brings this whole thing full circle. Remember, he started off talking about having integrity, being pure, being solid and and, and complete. And, And then he goes through all these lists, and then he brings it back to this. He says, wisdom is impartial and sincere. And those words don't translate really, really well. Um, Originally, the the language of the Bible was written in Greek. And the two words that he chooses here are very, very closely related. The one is adiakritos, and the other one is anupokritos. And they're very two closely related words. Um, The second one you might recognize a little bit better. Hypocritos. Sound like an English word you might know? Hypocrite. Yeah. And he's saying that little prefix, a, a diakritos, a hypocritos, an hypocritos. What he's saying is diakritos is to be uh, duplicitous, to, to have two different things going on at the same time. Okay? And he says, he says, if I'm wise, I will not be duplicitous with you, and I will not pretend with you. I won't be hypocritical. He says, that's wisdom. 
better translation is straightforward and sincere. Open and honest. The ability to admit, I'm not perfect. My way isn't always right. I have flaws. And, and here's what happens. When you do that, and this is when we go back to the whole idea that relationships are built on trust. Because see, if I'm trusting, I will begin to open up and share those things. I'll be willing to admit my mistakes. I'll be willing to admit my weaknesses. I will be able to say to somebody, you know, this is something I struggle with. I, I could use your help. Or, yeah, I let you down. And, you know, I'm, I got no excuse. It, it, it was my fault. When you do that, when you open up, when you take the risk of opening up, what happens is relationships go deeper. They really do. And, and here's another thing. When you admit your weaknesses to somebody, you're not telling them anything new. They already know. They already know. When I'm willing to open up and not cover up my weaknesses, not rationalize my, my weaknesses, but be willing to say, you know, this is, just, this is a struggle of mine, and I, and I really need, I need your forgiveness, I need your help. That, that builds relationship. Straightforward, genuine, honest. Remember in week one, we were looking at this, and, and James says, God's word is like a mirror. It gives us a real picture of who we are. And if we're wise, we're going to take a good, hard look and see what needs fixing. And part of that happens in our relationships with each other. And, and James keeps coming back to this. It's our relationship with God that ought to flow out into our relationships with each other. And our relationships with each other are very much a reflection of our relationship with God. And, and I, keep, I say this over and over again. If there's any group of people, if there's any individuals who ought to be able to be merciful, who ought to be able to be open and honest, who ought to be able to extend grace, it ought to be Christians. Because our whole relationship with God is dependent on His grace. And how can we have received such grace and such mercy so freely and not spread it to others? And that's really what James is talking about in this whole thing. Your relationship with God affects your relationship with other people. And if you want to know what your real relationship with God is like, look at your relationship with those around you. Because that's going to be one of the best indicators. Instead, he says, admit your weaknesses. Open up. And that takes humility. But James says, God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. So submit yourselves then to God. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship, located in Venetia, California.